Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Counter Charge. I'm Steve Forster. And I'm Rob Finoff. And if you haven't heard this voice before, it's because he's new to the podcast. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate you having me on. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to chat a little bit about a tournament that uh, Steve has started. And uh, before we get there, let's learn a little bit more about Steve. Steve, give us your bona fides. You know, where you're from, what's your gaming origin story? Right. Um, so I am originally from uh, just outside Baltimore, Maryland. Um, and I currently live in uh, southern Pennsylvania. So I'm like uh, about 10, 10 miles over the, uh, the state line. Um, I've been in I've been in nerd culture since, you know, I was six months old. <laughs> um, it start, but it started with like, you know, group gaming, I guess, uh, with Pokemon cards, actually. Um, I was, a, I was the right age for that craze when it first hit. So I uh, played the game and the game store that I uh, played at shut down. There's another one in the County and they only played magic and I played magic here and there. So I went from Pokemon to magic. Um, and then magic ultimately led into, uh, Warhammer Fantasy and 40k and uh, yeah and then uh, I actually jumped ship from uh, Warhammer Fantasy into Kings of War in first edition because I discovered quickly that I'm not very good at Warhammer Fantasy um, especially 8th edition and I uh, you know I like the modeling opportunities with like multi-basing and stuff like that and um, so yeah we, we started in uh, like 2013 in, with first edition and I've been uh, head on you know, two feet in every ever since. What was it about Warhammer Eighth Edition that you know wasn't connecting with you? Yeah, um, I guess I just didn't have the uh, uh, I didn't have the um, the tactical acumen, I guess, and the uh, the list building skills um, to really make uh, make Warhammer you know fantasy really really work. And at that time, I was in college and in grad school, so I didn't have a lot of time to dedicate to be you know, hone my craft, so to speak. So, um, but I've always been a hobbyist first. So when I went from, um, I, I like the hobbying opportunities with Kings War and actually, uh, my friend who owns our, one of the local gaming stores, um, he had gotten a bunch of secondhand dwarves. Um, he said, and he gave it to me. He's like, I bet you can't paint this in an army in a month. And then, uh, that kind of started it. So what's your friend's name and what's the store? Uh, his He's uh, Whit Bodiger, um, and the store is Critical Hit Games in Abingdon, Maryland. Um, Jake Carapicia uh, uh, has noted it before. Uh, I've actually known Jake for a very, very long time. He and I actually worked at the same uh, game store uh, back in the day, and we actually went to college together. So when you made the transition to Kings of War, who came with you? Um, it was at that point, it was just, uh, me, the store owner wit and, um, another friend of ours, uh, and, you know, just really casual gaming. And we liked, uh, like I said, we, we were like the hobby aspect of it. And first edition it was definitely a different monster than, than it is. And, um, when second edition came out, 
uh, that was kind of like right around the death knell of Warhammer Fantasy. And so everyone that was kind of competitive um, kind of jumped over. Um, and we finally got Jake to, to make the jump. And I think he and I, I actually gave him his first game of uh, Kings War 2nd Edition. It's it's interesting because, you know, those of us that have played 1st Edition, um, you guys playing 2nd and 3rd have no idea how good you have it. Because, I mean, 1st Edition ha- had some interesting tweaks, right? Yeah, it, it was kind of rough around the edges. Um, yeah, I, I mean, pretty much everything everything in 1st Edition had Nimble, and Nimble gave you an extra pivot. I remember that. And, you know, Defense 6 Alohi and... Um, you know, one shot war machines that did, you know, 2d6 plus three, you know, piercing four shots and uh, all that good stuff. Flyers. Yeah, flyers. You know, just... war engines and cavalry because there yeah, was no cav- thunderous charge. So they hit you and they just kept hitting you and they just kept hitting you. Yeah, there was, uh, I, I played ogres, which was, they didn't have an ogre army. It was just uh, auxiliaries and kingdoms of men. So I played kingdoms of men with ogres and then, you know, obviously the, the horde of, Knights, you know, 32 attacks, crushing two um, all the time. So how have you found uh, transitioning, obviously, from second to third? I mean, how, how have you enjoyed the evolution of Kings of War over the years? I, I've actually, I've you know, I've, I've loved it. I mean, I've loved what, what Manic has done with the uh, yearly updates. Um, it's kept the game fresh. And I've actually, I mean, I've very much enjoyed third edition. Granted, all of my um, uh, probably... 95% of my games of third edition have been on universal battle. Um, obviously with COVID and, but yeah, it's just been, I, I've had a really good time and I've really gotten to know the community. Um, you know, I'm being in the mid Atlantic. Um, I'm kind of in no man's land because if you go up North and East, you got, you know, the nerd hammer guys and, uh, Epic anomaly guys and like, uh, Philadelphia and Harrisburg and then you go down south and you've got the West Virginia guys and you know the Virginia guys and you know Maryland's kind of disjointed but we've, we've gotten to get a good a good group and you know I've really enjoyed um get being especially getting more involved in the community as you know my uh my personal life uh, allows it to Absolutely. Well, you know COVID notwithstanding it's nice to be able to get out for a game every once in a while, right? I mean Right, and I've I've gone to, I've only gone to a handful of G, two day GTs, and they've all been uh, the Keystone and Hershey, PA, and that's because I live like forty minutes from there, so I'm allowed to, uh, you know, I'm allowed to go because I can go there, uh, play my games, and then I'll hang out for a little bit and chat, and you know, and you know, goof around with the guys, but I, you know, I'll be able to get back home and help with, you know, dinner and bath and. Uh, yeah, tending to three children, you know, three children and then go back up the next day. My wife is, uh, pretty understanding. Yeah. You got in this, in this hobby, this, this is kind of a lifestyle. Yeah. It that, really is. Uh, yeah. And if you're in this lifestyle, it's kind of like, uh, you definitely need a partner that's very supportive because I, I have a daughter and I have three dogs. And so when I leave for the weekend, it's, you know, I, I, I am. I fully understand the burden I am placing on my wife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, my kids are, um, my eldest just turned six. My uh, middle daughter is about to be four, and my son is six and a half months old. You mentioned you you really like the hobby. What what is it about the hobby aspect of Kings of War that you know multi basing is an obvious one? But what else is there that you really enjoy? Um, I'm just getting to do 
use every, you know, any, anything and everything that you could think of for models wise. I mean, granted, probably 80% of my uh, models are Games Workshop, but, um, you know, I have Reaper, I have, uh, the Wrath of Kings, I've got, you know, uh, my, my dwarf army, I have the, um, the West, Westwind, um, like, uh, the Pig Calvary for my Brock Riders. So I have pretty much anything you could do. And I love the, I love just the terrain making part of it with, you know, building up, uh, multi bases and get a little adventurous. But honestly, the hobby is just my, that's my zen. I mean, that's my, I can kind of let go of everything and just put on a movie that I've seen a hundred times and just, you know, paint or hobby or do whatever it is I need to do. And, uh, that's my, like I said, that's my zen. You're, you're, you're speaking to the choir because, you know, people say, like, uh, we have these after darks and I do make some of them, but they're like, why aren't you on after dark all the time? Well, sometimes when I'm in the zone or in the zen, as you said, I, I really just need something background noise that I have already seen a hundred times that's not going to distract me from, you know, it's not going to take me out of the flow. Because, <laughs> I mean, if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm on something, whether it's painting an army or working on terrain, I <laughs> everything else falls to the wayside and I'm singularly focused on this one project right i mean the the office or scrubs or um oh man you're, you are talking about wheelhouse now uh so Amer- american or uk version of the office uh american i've, I've watched the uk version but uh I, I like the uh obviously i like the the american version and uh, and, Scrub- and Scrubs is great. Uh, yeah. That's like one of my, my one of my wife and I's favorite shows. Yeah, uh, you know. and the, they actually have the uh, they have the podcast out now, and I've been really. Enjoying oh my it. gosh, what's it called? It's something it's two doctors, fake doctors, real friends. Right. So Zach Braff and, and uh, Donald Faison. Donald Faison. Yeah. yeah I have not had a chance to listen to that yet, but it's, it's pretty it's, good. I mean, it's just entertaining. I mean, most of it is them just goofing off, and you know. yeah. That's awesome. I've been yeah. listening to a weird podcast, you know, because it's funny. Obviously, we have Kings of War podcasts, and I listen to those. Right. But I think we all have interests in other areas. And right. one of the ones I've been listening to is called Star Trek The Next Conversation. Okay. And it's these two writers, uh, two sitcom writers that watch an episode of TNG, Star Trek TNG, and then they discuss it. And it's just funny as they break it down because they're professional writers. So right. when they're breaking it down, it's a different you're getting a different uh, take than right. just to, you know, if I was to do it. So, but yeah, I, I love podcasts. Uh, I, I'm, I've, I haven't listened to the radio in like two years. I have a, um, a couple of true crime podcasts that I'm into and, you know, so, um, yeah, I just, you know, going the backlog and having, you know, three and four, you know, new episodes to listen to on my way to work each, each week. So, Exactly. Yeah, it's it's good. It's a good good way to get so because I, I I still work in in the Baltimore area, so I have a right. like a forty five minute drive to and from work, so uh, I have a lot of time to just listen and uh, you know just engorge in content, whatever that is, true crime or you know hobby or yeah, we're blessed though. We have a lot of great Kings of War content out there, oh, or a lot of just Mantic games, right? Yeah. With Dead Zone the podcast and Way to Fire, so. Uh, and and you know and Kings Award, there's there's tons of them out there now. It's right. it's good because it's you're getting out different voices and we're hearing from different areas of the world. So uh, I I enjoy that. Yeah. But to your point, I also like other stuff. Right? It's not right. Kings Award 100 percent of the time. Uh, right. True crime is always fun. Myth and Legends podcast where they just retell you know classic myths and legends in a modern right. setting. You know, or in a modern right. as a modern version. So 
Yeah. My, the, my favorite is it's called Crime and Sports, and as the name implies, it's uh, it's two comedians that are based out of I think Phoenix, and they pick you know uh, an athlete that has some you know criminal background, and you know they're you have like the real real famous guys like uh, like last week they did Ox, Oscar Pistorius, you know the, the Blade Runner, the guy, yeah, the, the South African runner that killed his wife or girlfriend, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then you have really, really, really obscure thing guys that just have done off the wall things. Um, they did an episode of like the I five killer, who was you know a serial killer in California in the seventies, who um, actually tried out for the Packers in the late sixties. So that was oh. like okay, he was he played for the Packers for you know three weeks, and then he was a serial killer for fifteen years. So that was kind of Crazy. but and they're they're comedians, so they go through and they you know make fun of stuff, and so it's, it's really enjoyable. Awesome. So what armies do you play? I'm assuming since you've been playing since first edition and for, and fantasy before that, you must have 50 armies. Yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> so my main one for probably the past uh, year and a half has been goblins. Um, really since the end of second edition and pretty much all of third edition has been goblins. I have uh, night stalkers as my uh, mostly mantic army. The only thing that's not mantic are the model are the, uh, Units that they don't make models right. for. Yeah. Uh, so I have that. I've got some elves. I've got uh, dwarves, which are the, you know, that kind of that bet army that my my friend uh, had me do, you know, six years ago. And they've got rebased like four times. I have ogres. <laughs> um, there's something else in there. Oh, and herd. But that herd is turned into uh, forces of nature, mm-hmm. herd, and uh, order the green lady. And whatever else needs to be, it's pretty basic, like beastmen type stuff. So it can be anything. What was the highlight change for third edition for your existing armies? Like, what's the one army you're like, ooh, this is a great change. And then flip side, what was the one change? And I'm sure you're going to say stampede, but what was the one change that that kind of like, ooh, that hurts? Um, I, obviously, I, I really had to change the way I played goblins because I. Um, I kind of, you know, I ripped off my goblin list uh, from San- Shannon Shoemaker with the uh, uh, hordes of uh, chariots and a lot of, you know, just little plank damage with mounted mages and the uh, flag guys on, you know, flea bags with the items. Mm-hmm. So I've changed. I've gone with more of the, uh, you know, I-, I have awesome troll models. I love the trolls. So I've gone with the more, you know. Hordes of trolls with the uh, Goblin King behind them with the uh, headstrong aura, and then wingets and lollipop launchers. Because That's wingets, awesome. you know, wingets are, I think, probably the um, the unit most deserving of a nerf bat. And yeah, I was just gonna day. say, yeah, it's even in well. They're awesome models. Yeah, they're, they're gorgeous models. I love yeah. them. I have I have three yeah. of them, and I've I have one that are that's on my uh, my paint table that has just been you know I got soaked and and so just waiting for some primer and some paint. But yeah, um, as a goblin player who plays with three, I mean, the last you know, thirty games I played on UB, I've taken three of them, and I'm I'm just I feel bad because I'm like oh these things are invaluable and they're just. You know, for 130 points for what you get with them. Yeah, those need to, uh, those are going to get the, the nerf bat pretty good. So give me a player that's in your local scene that's amazing and no one's heard of him or her. Um, I will shout out to my boy, Dan Leutch. Um, he is in the Harrisburg area. 
uh, um, I think their club is called Epic Anomaly, but uh, his claim to fame is that he won uh, Mountaineer last year. Yeah, I was there. He's yeah, awesome. And, yeah. and Dan is with a crazy not, list, and people are like, "How's this work?" Yeah, yeah, it was like Earth Elementals and uh, Beasts of Nature, and uh, yeah, just and that, I think that was when Beasts of Nature could take lightning bolt. Uh, and he did, there was no lightning bolt, just three flying beasts of nature and some unicorns and just kind of basic forces and nature stuff. And he plays it really well. I actually played him with that list in, uh, uh, it was the Nerd Hammer GT that was, in the, you know, in Hershey. And yeah, but he, he went five and oh and, and took it home. And Dan, Dan's not only a great player, he's a, just a great dude to be around. I've had a few chances to speak to him. And he, yeah, he's a super nice guy, which yeah. is doubly awesome. If you're a great player and a cool person to play against, that, you know, that's all a win in my book. Right. Right. And, you know, another guy, um, again, you don't really, he, he is, is, is Alan Banner from the Nerd Hammer. I think he took second in uh, in the best of the rest with uh, with elves. You know when when elves are bad, because as far as I'm as far as I know, um, elves are still bad. I, I haven't seen it, but elves are just bad in third edition. But elves, that's what they say. That's what they orcs, say. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Elves and orcs are just they're so they got hit pretty hard in third edition, but I just haven't seen it. Yeah. So, do you have any aspirations to try to get some more GTs in the you know once this yeah. COVID madness is gone? Yeah, actually, um, obviously, I had on my schedule, and I got the, the okay to do Nerd Hammer Fest and and Keystone for this year, but those got pushed back. Um, I'd like to get to to uh, Mountaineer because you know Chris is a is a great dude, and I actually um, I work part time part of my week out in. Uh, out west and uh, western Maryland, and it's only about thirty minutes from uh, his dad's store and where they have um, the hotel where he has uh, mm-hmm. uh, Mountaineer. So I'd like to get to Mountaineer. Um, I'd like to get up to Crossroads or Unplugged. Um, Jake is. I mean, Jake just sings the praises of Unplugged, obviously. So I'd like to get up there uh, when the kids are older, because again, it's hard to get away for a weekend when it's just me. And I would love to. I, my plan for my family is to uh, pitch a uh, a weekend trip to um, to Cape Cod so I can go to Orktown. Oh, that would be amazing! Yeah, just bring, yeah, bring, you know, have like a long long weekend and like oh yeah, by the way, I'm gonna be over here um, with uh, playing some Kings of War while you guys do tourist stuff. Exactly. So we're going to talk a little bit about this tournament you started. That's a UB thing. Yeah. But do you have any delusions of grandeur having a Baltimore? Oh yeah, actually, slugfest tournament or something. Yeah. What, what? I, I've I've actually I've talked to Wit, who is you know obviously he's the game store owner. I would love to. We've uh, Dan. Um, Don't yeah, a, Italian think, Dan. That's what yeah, I call exactly. him. <laughs> Italian, Italian Dan Caligarone or or whatever. He, he's run the uh, Kings Baltimore, of Baltimore GT. I'd love Kings to turn Kings of Baltimore into a two day GT. I mean, we've got some um, some good uh, kind of like suburb areas of right outside of Baltimore um, that have some really nice hotels. I think we could do a really nice venue and it's got some good amenities around. And um, yeah, I, I would love to make that a thing. And, you know, obviously I love playing, but I think it'd be cool just to, from uh, the, just putting it together as a TO, um, 
Yeah, and I've, I've talked to everyone that's in kind of like the the Maryland area, and they're they're all about it. It's just nailing it down and timing, right? It's hard to find that spot in the calendar where you're not stepping on other events that the same player base. It's pretty much um, May, April, May, June. We've got uh, Vanguard and uh, uh, Mountaineers in June. Mountaineers yeah. in June, and you know Keystone's in August. So we just got we just got to find that sweet spot where there's you know. We're not, like you said, not stepping on anybody's toes. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's uh, we're in the same boat now. We're trying to find a time to do a, a counter charger event. Yeah, that'd be awesome. It's just, it's tough though, right? Because there's just so many different events. Um, and and I think at the end of the day, you just have to find the time that your potential player base that would come to your event is free, right. and you just go right. with it, you know. And right. if you lose and, a couple and, players to other events, you know, it just it is what it is. You can't. But honestly, from a community standpoint, it's a good problem to have. Yes, you know, yes, no, no, we have sure. we have too many event organizers that want to put on events that, and just not enough weekends in the summer. Um, so yeah, like I said, it's just a good problem to have, but a problem nonetheless. Any desire to ever make the masters team or come play best of the rest? Yeah, I would, lo- I would love to do best of the rest again. It, uh, I. I think best of the rest, uh, from what I've heard from pretty much everyone in the community, is just going to be a, kind of a staple for um, you know masters for a year to come. So if it comes close enough, I would I would jump all over it. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely hope so. Uh, yep. Mid Atlantic has some heavy hitters. I wouldn't be able to make the actual team itself. But <laughs> I, I, I can go with in JV the JV uh, well, squad. Well, then maybe you need to like figure out a way for it to be in Seattle. Yeah, there you go. So that, and then like you got these people that can't travel that far, and they're like, "Well, right. you know, you're number thirteen on the list, but hey, man, you just got to make the top eight when when right. f- if you but, drop out, yeah. exactly." Um, or we could do it like do it in uh, maybe blasphemous to say have U.S. Masters in Canada, but have it in Vancouver. Vancouver, Vancouver is my favorite city. I've been a couple, I've been once, and it's it's awesome. Well, you just made Dan Miner uh, very happy. Yeah, right. And, I, and uh, uh, Ashley and uh, Brent are moving back out there. Well, let's talk about you have an event that's uh, just underway. It is a UB tournament. Why don't you start giving, you know, where did the, why UB? Why a tournament? What what, what made you want to jump into the ring? Well, I, again, I've been trying, I've been wanting to do, you know, kind of, you know, get my, cut my teeth on, on doing a, doing an event. So obviously everyone's got a lot of time in their hands and we, I have an absolute blast with call to arms, you know, um, this last one with, you know, 140 some players all over the world. So I thought that we could do, um, I do something similar, but also have kind of my own flavor on it. So, uh, the event is called, it's always sunny in Panathor. So for, I've noticed that for, um, players that aren't in the United States, not any of them that I've talked to have actually seen the show. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Um, so I, it, it's based, you know, obviously it's, you know, that's kind of the theme of the, of the, uh, of the event. So it's running. We actually just started this week. We have uh, a round per week for the next five weeks. Um, and yeah, we, it's 2,300 points, pretty standard. You know, I think the only comp that I put in was uh, a max of three um, indirect war machines. Um, and then, yeah, that, that's sensible. And, and you know, un- unlike uh, the, 
Call to Arms, where you got to change armies every every round. But I'm, you know, we're kind of sticking to a, a set list um, per uh, per player. So, yeah, and UB, I back. I'm, I know UB can be kind of uh, uh, either love it or hate it. I'm in the love it camp. Um, since you know, late March, I've probably gotten close to 100 games in on UB, which is you know, more than I've played in person probably the last four years. And, you know, it just, it scratches an itch. Um, I've got the hobby, you know, my painting time to, for the hobby itch. And yeah, I miss playing in person and, you know, hanging out, but I've got to play and kind of become friends with folks all over the world that I would never really get to play any, anytime else. It just started. When you hear this, there is still time to get in. Uh, give us the, uh, the, the, is it our website? How do we, how do people get involved? So if you, it's on, it's basically all on Facebook. So, um, it is, if you search on Facebook, it's always something in Panathor. It's a Facebook event. Um, well, link in the show notes. Yep. Yeah, it'll be link in the show notes. Um, the pack is on the, uh, the UB2 Facebook group. Um, we are set at 68 players. So we've been round one has started. So, um, we are, I, I, if you, I have, Again, life happens. So I have a. If you're interested, I can do put you in a wait list for someone, and you know uh, if someone drops out. But um, yeah, we're we're at 68, um, and then the pack. Like I said, the pack is on the UB2 um, uh, Facebook group, and all the other things are you know kind of on the uh, the event site on Facebook. Are you taking a lot of the lessons learned from the uh, the big the big event called Arms? Yeah, um, yeah. With Call to Arms, basically, I'm running it through Tabletop TO, which I've really never seen until Call of Arms, and it's actually um, it's pretty basic, which I like. Um, and uh, I'm using it for results entry. Um, it's a uh, Google form, and you know, from the two days that it's since the round one has started, it's actually worked out pretty well, so that I can get the you know uh, get the the data that I need. Um, and put it in to um, tabletop to, and I'm also a stats nerd, so I can keep it all. You know, I have my spreadsheets and and everything, and it's just I'm in I'm in nerd heaven for with data and everything. So it's that's that's another part of my zen is making spreadsheets. That's a common trait among tos. A lot of people right. like data, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know Elliot was a big uh, data nerd as well. Yeah, and, and I'm like much what Elliot did. I'm gonna after each round, I'm gonna just put a blurb out to kind of you know summarize and you know what the data that we have. Um, the in addition to the 2300 point list, I created some special characters based on the uh, the gang from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and. Uh, so there's there's four. Um, if you're not familiar with the show, it's uh, it's a show on FX based in obviously Philadelphia. It's kind of like um, Curb Your Enthusiasm or Seinfeld, where it's just kind of goofiness and it doesn't really have a overarching story from episode to episode, but it's just smart social commentary that's disguised in fart jokes for the most part. That's awesome. And yeah. And, uh, so this, there's, uh, like I said, four, um, we have, uh, and then I, you know, there's a couple of, 
you know, GT online GTs that are, you know, with their special characters that are have really powerful and have a lot of rules. And I just wanted to keep the special characters kind of bland and semi helpful, but not overpowered. So I've got, um, one guy that, you know, gives either rally or inspiring. Um, I've got one guy that does cloak of death and I've got one guy that's, uh, that is a kind of a mobile, you know, pseudo lightning bolt. Um, and the one guy that no one t- took, which is a kind of like a combat hero, but yeah. Who wants combat? Yeah. They just want to yeah. shoot. Yeah. You spell cast. And, yeah. Yeah. You want to shoot and provo- and give rally and cloak of death. Absolutely. I just, this needs to become a real tournament though, in person, yeah, yeah. because I oh, want to yeah. be able to model a Danny DeVito model. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, again, for international listeners, the Danny DeVito, um, from, you know, who's been famous for 40 years, he's, uh, one of the recurring characters and yeah, he's, he plays a crazy person, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, I would love to do a, you know, Charlie Kelly, King of the Rats, um, special character model. So what haven't I asked you about the tournament that, that I, you know, what's the information that I didn't ask that you need to tell people? Uh, I think we, we pretty much covered it. I'm just, I'm excited that it's, you know, that there, I got such a good you know response to it. There's, you know, I have 68 people in and we've got to play. We've pretty much got the entire Argentinian team, which they, they were, they got to be the favorites then. Right. I mean, they're, yeah, they are. There, there are some, uh, we've got the Argentinian team. We've got, uh, some of the Spanish teams. So those are pretty much any of the, uh, the Spanish speaking contingent are, are my, my odds on favorite to win the whole thing. And then again, we've got some guys from Australia. We've got some guys from UK and all over, um, us. So I'm just excited for it, honestly. And also because of it being UB, um, I get to play as well. It's one of the perks, right? Because, because, and also I think the fact that you're doing it in a way where, I mean, there's two kind of ways that UB tournaments have been happening. The one I really like is if you're going to play it, they get like a week or two weeks. They get right. some extent, which which makes it a lot more easy. You know, it makes it easier for people to mitigate family requirements and, right. you know, rather than the one where you're playing, you got a four hour window to get your game in, which a little, little yeah. bit tighter. Right. And then, you know, I was, uh, I was. I want to try the, you know, that kind of thing. Cause I think, uh, Emerald Dragon GT is happening that right this weekend too. And I just, I can't see, you know, especially on a weekend where my wife works on Saturdays to, you know, ignore my kids for hours at a time for throughout the day. And Steve Hildrew on the show has mentioned this. The only way I think he's in the same boat that I would be able to do that is if I am not here. Like if I am physically right. at a tournament, like if I'm here, I'm not going to get a whole weekend right. to sit in front of yeah, computer. Right. And I, I have a, I, I have, my son's six and a half months old and he's very, uh, he's very opinionated for someone who's so young and, you know, likes to, um, kind of, you know, be the center of attention as babies do. And then, you know, four, uh, four and six year old girls are, you know, their best friends one minute and, you know, arch enemies the next. And that's just how, um, how my life is. <laughs> so, A series yeah. of battles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Steve, this is your chance to give a message to the Countercharge audience and the Kings of War community at large. You know, what do you want to tell them? Just that I'm glad to be a part of it. And, you know, if you've, you've seen me probably lurking on your UB games, my handles dice dad, Steve. So yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm really excited to continue to be a part of the 
community and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get to do some cool stuff in person, you know, after, you know, the world, you know, comes off a pause. The UB dice, give me your hot take. I think there is confirmation bias. Granted, I am one of the ones that are, that will, you know, shake my fist to the heavens when I see, you know, uh, out of 16 dice, nine ones. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's just as, uh, it's more confirmation bias and it's something that you can complain about when you, you don't think so go your way. And I'm all about that. I'm okay with it. Yeah. I'm, but yeah, they're the, I'll above, I'll love to, uh, put in the hashtag UB dice when, <laughs> when something just off the wall happens, but I've had awful hot things happen with regular dice. And, you know, the only, the thing is that, um, with if it happens in regular dice, I could just replace them. Uh, right. There was a you time. have more. You have more ownership of the process. Right. There was a time, and it was probably 2008, and I was in a 40k tournament, and um, my dice weren't cooperating. So they, I took an entire brick of 36, you know, six out of dice, and threw them away. And one purchased, you know, of the middle of the game, one purchased a new brick of them, and someone's like, "Oh, three dice," and they're like going in the trash can, and I scream, and I'm like, "No." No, you cannot have them there. Where they belong, they are garbage dice. And you know, everyone just you know that that's that's a, uh, a classic Steve story that 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 I'll never live down. You know, screaming at some uh, like ten year old kid to not dig in the trash to get the dice because they were where they belonged. Awesome. Well, folks, if you're interested in this tournament. Look in the show notes. We'll have links to the information. And uh, best of luck, Steve, with the tournament and with your play. You're gonna, uh, any chance you're going to win it? No. <laughs> okay. No delusions of grandeur. No, no, there's no delusion of grandeur unless there is some uh, uh, serious hashtag UB dice that have um, that happen. But yeah, I, I doubt that it's going to that, that it will. I'm just not that smart. Well, perfect. Well, we appreciate you coming on and chatting with us. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Perfect. And until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.